Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book, I Needed a Neighbor, by Patricia Sanjan, with permission of Scripture Union Publications. And we are on Chapter 11. Tisa had come upon other little settlements as he plodded on through the bush. They told him to follow the river, which came from the northwest and crossed the border not so far away. With adequate water, his fever abated, and the river dwellers were kind and gave him food. As he journeyed, he met with others, and by the time they actually crossed over, he felt much stronger. Most of the travelers were escapees from the resettlement camps, worn out with heat and hazards of the journey and sick with hunger. When they rested at the border, they were glad to go on to the camp that lay westward, where they would once again rest and find food and water. But Tisva did not join them, for some impulse of his own seemed to be drawing him north, although the way to shelter was far longer and the road lay partly through desert. He hesitated, fell behind, and sat resting at the diesel station by the side of the rough road that led north. And then it happened. A truck that had been carrying supplies south and, and was returning empty drew up with an ominous rattle and a white man leaped out. At least he should have been white. But his face and blonde hair were covered with dusk and his eyes were bloodshot. He opened the bonnet and peered inside, swearing softly to himself, and then he straightened up and put his hand to his head. Both he and his truck were clearly in a bad way. Mechanic, he asked rather desperately of the sleepy individual at the diesel pump. The attendant shook his head, and the white man, who was a little more than a boy, swore again. Tisva, who had been through high school, stepped forward. I'm a mechanic, he said quietly. May I help you? You sure can, exclaimed the boy. Have a look in here, then, and see what's wrong. The tools are on the seat. I'm shattered. I'm going to go inside to get a drink and a rest. He stepped aside and was suddenly very sick. Tisva knew a lot about trucks. He had driven food supplies up from the capital and had worked for years as a motor mechanic. He felt his fingers come alive as they probed around and located the cause of the trouble. It was a small matter, and he righted it quite quickly. When he went inside, the boy was sitting with his head on his arms, fast asleep with two empty Coke bottles beside him. Tisva sat down, too, and wished he could also afford a Coke. He did not wake the boy. After all, there was no hurry. They might have stayed there all night had a quarrel not broken out between the diesel attendant and a passerby. The loud argument woke the boy. He lifted his head and stared round as though lost, until his eyes focused on Tisva. Where are we? he asked. The boy looked ill, and Tisva tried to comfort him. Your truck is good, he said gently, but the day is still hot. Rest more. Later you travel on. The boy stared at him in amazement. No, can't do that, he said. I've got to get back by tomorrow evening. But I feel terrible. I think it's a touch of the sun, and I'm afraid of going to sleep at the wheel. I started out with a second driver, but he suddenly took it into his head to go home. Well, I suppose I'd better risk it. I'll have another Coke and get going. Have one with me, and then I'll try the truck. He was wide awake now, and as they drank, he contemplated the skeleton-thin man in front of him with a gentle, courteous speech and the deep-set eyes that looked like a dark pool of sorrow. What's your name, he asked. Tisva. And you? Oh, I'm Charlie. Let's have a look at that truck. He rose to his feet, but the room seemed to swim around him, and he sat down again rather suddenly. Don't know how I'm going to imagine, he said miserably. Look, Tisva, you don't drive by any chance, do you? Tisva smiled. I drive trucks often. I drive, you sleep. Charlie looked doubtful. No license, I suppose. No, no license. I'm a refugee. But I drive good. Well, you better drive good. Let's see how you do. Tisva climbed into the driver's seat. 
At first he thought he was too weak to manipulate the gears, but as the engine came to life, he seemed to find strength welling up inside of him from some unsuspected source. He thought that perhaps it came from the Coke, which was the best thing he'd ever tasted. Charlie watched him, opened-mouthed. Greed, he exclaimed. Right, just drive on. There's no turnings, and I'm going to have a sleep. Thank God I met you, Tisva. He closed his eyes, and Tisva smiled. Thank God, the boy had said. Tisva had forgotten that God was good and worthy of thanks and praise. This boy had reminded him. He was no doubt a very religious boy to remember God, and for the first time in many weeks, Tisva murmured a prayer of thanksgiving. God had helped him, and Tisva was traveling due north. He drove for some hours through the burning late afternoon and on into the kind coolness of evening. They passed through a small dusty villages and the river was never very far away. To his left the sun went down and the sky flushed orange and scarlet and purple in the amazing nightly pageant. But Charlie still slept. At the next small settlement, Tesfa pulled up and prodded him. What's up? Let's go on, murmured the boy. You're doing fine. I cannot go on, said Tesfa gently. For a long time I have no food, and I am a weak man, and I must sleep. Charlie jerked himself awake, and the cool dusk was healing, and he felt much better. Oh, I'm sorry. It never struck me they had nothing to eat. Have a sandwich, and we can get some more Coke here. I'll bring you a bottle. And look, they're selling hard-boiled eggs over there. How about one? Charlie's concern was overwhelming, and he plied Tisva with strange European food out of a plastic bag, food he'd never seen before and which he feared would give him indigestion. In the end, they got out of the truck and sat under an awning, and Tisva ate fresh bread and hard-boiled egg and drank Coke. He felt himself coming more and more alive, partly through the food and partly through the friendship and open admiration of the boy. You've been great, said Charlie enthusiastically, showing him a map, and I feel fine now. I'll take the wheel for a bit. You lay down and sleep in the back. Later on, we'll change over again. Don't know what I've done without you, Tisva. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. It was God. Thank God, said Tisva reverently, gazing out into the deep blue dusk. He lay down on a heap of sacks in the back of the truck. The small night wind fanned his face and the moon rose over the white sands of the desert. He remembered, for a bleak moment, the mound in the bush where he had buried Muna, but he resolutely turned his mind away from it. He must look forward now. Charlie was kind and God was good. He fell asleep to the sound of the wheels rattling northward, northward. And tomorrow we'll be reading chapter 12. I love you. I'm praying for you. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.